My name is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips, success strategies and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now, please do like, share and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. My guest today is the awesome Ben Coomber. Now, Ben is a performance nutritionist and a fitness educator. He's an international speaker and a coach. You name it, he does it. But I absolutely love the fact that he has the UK's number one rated podcast. And if you haven't listened, I would suggest you do. It's called Ben Coomber Radio. But for me, I think the most inspirational part is his own personal story. And I'm sure that we'll find out more about that. Ben, happy Friday. It's amazing to have you on the show. How are you? I am awesome. You're fueled by awesome. It says that on your t-shirt. It's correct. I love it. I love it. Now, it's an absolute joy to have you on the show. Thanks for giving up your time this morning. And I don't know whether you've listened to the pod, but we always start with what I call the shake your pom-poms moment. So this is about you being able to be your very own cheerleader and actually start to celebrate some of your successes by sharing with us your three proudest moments. Professionally or personally? Whichever you want. Most people do a mix. So whatever you feel good about. Okay, I'll mix it up. First one was becoming a dad four months ago. Absolutely loving it. It's amazing. Second one would be I became health contributor of the year 2019 at an awards. And I thought for me, that was a really nice kind of anchor in the sand to say like, well done. You know, we're recognizing I was on the stage with people like Ant Middleton and other amazing people in the fitness industry. And the third thing was from a probably a business perspective is just getting through a year of like nearly going bankrupt. That was a year that like really defined me on like many levels. It defined the strength of my marriage and relationship. It defined the strength of my business. So that's probably a really proud moment. Wow. I mean, that's massive. And I really want to be able to dig into that and talk about the resilience. But first of all, let's talk about you being a new dad. Because, you know, lots of people who listen to the podcast are interested in how do you juggle the balls? How do you run a business? How do you have a corporate career? How do you have a good relationship? How do you have children that fit into that? And you're brand new to it. So what sort of things have you learned so far about having a child on top of running your business? So the first thing I think is I'm a big believer in projecting into the future and knowing what your life is going to be like before changes happen. So before I became a dad, I obviously knew I was going to become a dad. So like, you know, we got the scan, we did all the things. So I'm like, right, okay, I've now got literally like six, seven months 
to plan? Like what's going to happen? What changes do I need to make? What usually happens when you're a new dad? Okay, you don't get as much sleep. Time can be a bit of a, you know, a variable. Your family are always on the phone like, can we come and see her? Like, oh, like, so all of those things are going to happen. So how do I like bomb proof myself now so that when I get to it, I'm not pulling my hair out, absolutely knackered. So there wasn't many surprises when I became a dad because I anticipated and kind of like, right, I need a plan A, I need a plan B, I need a plan C. And I thought the only real problem becoming a dad was like, that emotional layer that gets put uh-huh. on your psyche where you're like, oh, I've got a newborn child. Like, I need to run every decision through this newborn child. Like, I can no <laughs> longer just be like, yeah, mate, let's go down the pub or, yeah, I'll take that meeting because actually I need to be really considerate of the child because I want to be the best dad possible, period. Oh. So with that being said, I'm just really freaking organised. Like, that's the secret. Like, at the weekend, I spend time doing my life admin. Like, where am I getting my food from? Cool. What meals are we eating this week? Cool. When might I be able to get time to do some fitness? When are me and the wife going out? When are we seeing family? When am I going to be working? And I just prioritize organizing my life. And then with the time left over, I'm like, cool, right. Let's go out. Let's have fun. Let's do this. But most people prioritize all of that stuff. And then they get to nine o'clock on a Sunday evening and they're like, oh my God, I'm not organized for this week. And then they get an anxiety lying in bed on Sunday night because they're like, oh my God, mm. like I'm not organized for the week. So I think balance and everything is easy when you plan things, but also you focus on the right things. So my wife and daughter come first, period. And then secondly, my team and the business come after that. And then family, then my social life. And it kind of goes in order. And some weeks I don't have time for other stuff. And some weeks I do, but that's just life. Yeah, absolutely. And choosing which balls you're going to pick up and which ones you're going to put down. And I love the fact there that you were just talking about projecting into the future. So is there two parts to that? You've got the part in terms of getting the knowledge, getting the understanding, doing the scenario planning. Is there a visualization point to that as well, though, where you see yourself being successful and you see it happening for you? Oh, I think we'd have to define the context there in terms of like what success means at any given moment. I mean, when I knew I was going to be a dad, I was projecting into the future and saying to myself, okay, what does success look like as a new dad? Well, actually, success looks like the baby being really happy, mum being healthy, the business just at least being like, okay, like I'm maybe not expecting like massive growth or that kind of stuff. So What do I have to do for me to get that successful feeling? Because when a new big shift comes into your life, you cannot have success in every area of your life. It's impossible. There's only so many hours in the day. Totally. So you have to redefine success, but then you have to be kind to yourself and say, that will not last forever. If I get through and I get to this point, so me and my wife always said, things will change when the baby goes into the spare room, like her room, like... And then we'll be able to do this and there'll be a bit more flexibility yeah. and all that kind of. So we commit and we say, cool, well, it's going to be like this for six months. So I then make decisions based on how I get to that place of success because I've defined it on my own terms. Yes. I love that. So with the learning side of things, you talked about knowledge, rightly so. I didn't know everything. So I picked up a book on like how to be a dad. Like I just, you know, and don't get me wrong, I knew 60% of the book. That's not the point. I need to know the nuances. So I started to learn about how to support my wife. 
the mindset I wanted to bring into being a dad, like all of that stuff. So I project in the future, I scenario plan, and then I find the knowledge that I need to fill the gaps. Oh, it's brilliant. I wish I'd have done that when I had a baby the first time because it would have made it so much easier. I mean, it's brilliant advice for people to take on and use. And I guess at this point then, before we dig into what you've just said about the business as your third pom-pom, let's talk about your life, your career, and just take us on a whistle-stop tour really about, you know, how it's all happened for you. Okay, whistle-stop tour. I'll be as quick as possible. I was 18. (laughs) I left school. I'd been fortunate enough to be in boarding school all my life. So had a good, strong education, but I felt I didn't know how to be an adult. I left school and I was like, right, I'm going to learn how to be an adult and I'm going to push my career. And at the time I wanted to be an actor and I I was into the arts. So I started going to drama school and all that kind of stuff while just doing a normal job. Like I didn't know these things. I've been sheltered very much. So I started doing all the acting auditions and stuff and I was getting a lot of rejection and in that process I was kind of then starting to reflect and say why am I getting rejected so much like I thought I was pretty good at what I do and I then started to say to myself well if I'm really honest I am not the best version of myself I'm five and a half stone overweight which means I'm not as fit as I could be Mm -hmm. in the acting industry's eyes and my own eyes are not as good looking and fit as I could be because I didn't see myself as that person and the acting industry didn't either because there's plenty Uh of kind of stereotypes there especially when I was doing it like 15 16 years ago now and I had plenty of health challenges as well so I went on a health and fat loss journey and that kind of got me into health and fitness and I slowly picked up that as an interest and slowly left the acting stuff And by the time I was 20, I was like, "Mm, I think I might do this sort of fitness thing. And don't get me wrong, a couple of things happened in that process. I went traveling for quite a long period of time on my own through Asia. Wow. Had an amazing girlfriend who's my wife today who sort of questioned me a lot on my kind of career choices and where I should go. So I did a course, happened to do a very good course, got a mentor within the course. He was very inspirational. And it kind of made me think, oh, I might actually become a personal trainer. So at the age of 20, became a personal trainer, learned everything I could within this gym that I became a part of, and then kind of just got this niggling feeling that there was more to life. I could do more. I could push myself for more. So I decided to go to university, made some calls. Within two weeks, I was at university, then spent three years at uni. In my second year at uni, I started my first online business because I was being a coach and I saw the online thing happening and I thought, oh, well, maybe I can do that because I was always been a big traveler. And one of Uh my key words in life is freedom. I want to feel free at every moment in my life where possible. Free for choice of time, free for choice of travel, the work that I do, anything. I want to feel free. So I decided to build an online business because that meant I can be anywhere. So I did that. At the same time, I was also playing around with some other stuff. I was also a trainer still. I was working in elite sport. I was working with kids, coaching them like rugby skills. I was working, doing retreats in Portugal and South Africa, doing loads of stuff. And then in 2010, I left uni and committed to being a coach online. Then that morphed into education in 2013. 2016, I started a supplement company. And all throughout that journey, I was sort of pushing myself to write for magazines, do the podcast, speak, travel, you know, become an expert in my field. And 
that's kind of the Whistles top tour, and here we are today. Wowzers. <laughs> and it's some tour as well. Now, there's so many points that I want to pick up on. The first one is around the rejection that you talked about, because, you know, you said you experienced rejection over and over again, and, and that led you to kind of learn some lessons and take a good hard look at yourself. But I'm guessing that wasn't the first step that you took. So when you were being rejected, and this will be useful for lots of people who experience it too, how did you cope with that? How did you cope with the hurt that's often attached to the feeling of rejection? I suppose upon reflection, it was putting all of my time and energy on what I was good at. So you generally don't get rejected at like, everything in life like you're maybe bad at some stuff and people reject you for your lack of skill or lack of trying whatever it is so while I was getting rejected on some levels I was like I'm actually getting appreciated as an actor as an artist so I put all of my time and energy there and actually I ended up growing a lot of skills in the arts I'm a very creative person you know I'm very good at ideas and communication and 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 speech and stuff so I think that's all that you can really do and you can you know everyone has brilliance everyone Mm. whether your brilliance is numbers or admin or speaking or marketing or it doesn't matter focus on your brilliance because all you need to do in life to really feel fulfilled is spend time doing things that you're brilliant at and that's it I love it because when people experience rejection it can be debilitating and it can lead to that sense of giving up but what you're saying is shine a light on what's right with you and actually focus on that and that'll help you to move forward and and it's that kind of building the resilience blocks and I guess that's what really helped you in that situation you talked about in the pom-poms which is your business being in trouble so again there must have been lessons that you learned during that can we explore that a little bit Oh, loads of lessons. Where do you want me to start? I mean, it all got created through me having some sort of wobbly moments in business. Also having some people around me that weren't conductive to my future self. So it was 2016. We were having a good year in business. Things were going well. Like market was really responsive to our products. We're doing great things, which meant we had a good amount of cash in the bank. I then made the decision of like, yeah, I'm going to keep growing this. Like I want to go, I want to grow. And there's always inflection points in a career or business where you kind of say, do you know what, I'm really comfortable where I am. Things are good, like money's good. like, And that's absolutely fine if that's what you want. But I'm a bit of an ambitious character. I love a challenge. So I was like, I'm going to take the next level. But the problem is when I was making those decisions, I didn't have good people around me. I also started to go, oh, I wonder if I know how to do it. In fact, let's be really honest, I don't know how to do it. And I went to a party in London and this person uh, got drunk with them and we ended up speaking (laughs) about him coming into the business to help me out with some kind of stuff. And while he was, um, you know, uh, a friend, a decent friend at the time, he wasn't the right kind of character for my business, my team and all the rest of it. Anyway, brought him in and over time took a real cultural shift away from our truth and our core. And it started to become something that wasn't true to us, wasn't true to our products, our services, our clients. And it got to the point where all the money was gone. One of the staff members rung me up and was like, look, I'm leaving. I can't take this anymore. 
you don't see all this stuff, but I'm constantly being belittled and questioned and all the rest of it. And I was like, whoa. So at that point, rung up the accountant. She was like, yeah, you ain't got any money left. And, you know, the next month looked like there was 20 grand coming out of the bank that we didn't have. So she was like, you better get to work and save your business. So there was bad decisions. There was a lack of trust and the wrong people around me. And the unfortunate thing is I had to get myself out of that spot. And it took about sort of 12, 18 months to really recover from it. And like you say, there's a lot of lessons there. Like I'm a lot wiser in business. I'm a lot wiser about people, motives, the power of environment. The good thing is, is all the people that are important to me are still around. That staff member that gave me the phone call is now my head of operations. She's an amazing soul. So yeah, it could have broken me, but Mm. people ask me how it didn't break you. Some of the key things are, and this is like why I eat well every day. It's like, it's the power of habit. I get up in the morning and don't even think about not eating well. Why wouldn't I eat well? I want to look after myself. I want to be my best self. So I eat well. And with business, I was getting up every day and I was doing the work. I was getting up 5am. What's on the docket today? What work am I doing? So sometimes just that habit was the thing that Mm -hmm. really got me through because I thought, well, I'm not going to get up and not do the work. I've been doing the work for six, seven, eight years. Like, let's continue to do the work. And also, again, you've got to project into the future. If you stop now and fail, where are you going to be in 18 months? You're not going to be the guy that did it. You're going to be the guy that didn't do it. I don't want to be the guy that doesn't do it. No, no, no. It's not negotiable, that is it. You can see it. So it's this idea of deliberate practice every day. And I guess I'm interested around the eating habits part for you because there was a period of your life and you said you were five and a half stones overweight. And I'm interested to hear, because I've done it as well, I know how hard it is to lose that amount of weight and then to sustain it. Because actually it's in the sustaining, in my experience, where it's the most difficult. But you mentioned this idea of habits. And I heard you speak actually quite recently where you were talking about it's just not negotiable. I get up and I want to eat well. How did you shift your mindset to think in this way? Because it's incredible. To be honest, it was an epiphany moment. I started to lose weight when I was 18 and I was putting in what I thought was quite a lot of effort. Could I have put in more effort? Yeah. But I was getting up and running like four days a week. I was eating well. I was mindfully taking action. But the problem is, is some of my tools were broken. So I remember putting in a lot of effort and I was stood in the kitchen with my brother one day and I was teasing him because I'm the older brother, I'm like nearly five years <laughs> older than him. So I was teasing him and he kind of like snapped and he was like, whoa, bro, hang on a sec. You're not so perfect. Like you're doing all this running, you're eating all this stuff and look at you, you're still obese. And I was like, whoa. Ooh. And I remember waking up the next day and I was like, that is it. I am going to be a success at this. I'm going to do it. And in my head, I just thought, if I can't be seen as a success in my brother's eyes, in other people's eyes, then what am I doing? So I just thought, well, how do I fix this? I need to change my environment. And at the time, and this is still appropriate, the people that know health and fitness live in gyms. So I went, well, I'm going to join a gym. Because at the time, I'd just been doing it on my own. So I joined a gym, happened to fall in the hands of a good trainer. He gave me a great gym induction. He advised me to read a book. He advised me to change my training a bit, tweak my diet. 
and I applied even more hard work and I lost five and a half stone in six months. And that radical transformation meant, oof, this is awesome. Why would I go back? The other good thing about this journey is at the end of the journey, I was on my own. And actually, that was quite a good thing because the power of environment is Mm. very powerful. So if you've got the wrong people in your ear, if you're going to work every day and people are like, oh, God, why are you bringing that in Tupperware? Like, oh, so weird. (laughs) And, you know, you've just got all these wrong influences around you. It makes it very hard to sustain a diet. But I was literally 19 years old. I was living on my own. I was working full time and I was working two jobs because I was saving up to go to traveling. I literally had no choice but to get up, do the work, go to work, eat well and repeat every day. And then Mm. when it came to sustaining it, I was like, well, I'm in full control of sustaining. Like, There's no one in my ear. Like I don't have any of these negative things. So I say to clients, I'm like, you'll change when the motivation's really high. Like you've had this epiphany. You're like, right, this is it. I'm going to go. But what happens when you're like two stone into your weight loss and you're trying to lose that last six, eight, like 10 (laughs) pounds and you're quite happy at your results and then your friends are starting to ring up and they're like, have you finished your diet yet? We're going away for a girly weekend and they're starting to just pull you away and then you kind of get led astray again. Yeah, but you haven't set any new rules for yourself. Everyone needs rules. Everyone. But the thing is, is you've got to determine the rules. Not many people like rules being imposed on them. But if you impose your own rules, you define Mm. them for your values, wants, goals. That's completely different. So with my health, I have rules. I'm in bed by 8.30 p.m. I order the right kind of food and I eat well. I try and exercise three to four times a week. These are my rules to be my best self. And that's where partly some of the problems come in sustaining that. Yeah, totally agree. And that idea of rule setting or principles by which you live your life, I'm guessing they need to be reviewed on a regular basis because life changes as you've just experienced a huge shift in bringing a child into the world. So how regularly do you redefine the rules that you're living your life by? Quite often, like really often at the moment. The rules that change at the moment are how I work because it changes quite regularly with the baby and how I exercise, because again, it's a time thing. So it doesn't really change with food, doesn't really change with social life that much. Like That's kind of a bit minimal these days. But as soon as you start to feel friction, as soon as you're starting to like fight your rules, you're wanting to break it, it's not allowing you flexibility, just sit down and write a new plan. Just reevaluate it but also discuss these changes with what I would call your stakeholders. Like a lot of people try and make changes and rules without involving fully their partner, for example. Mm. So if you and your partner don't eat that great and you just decide to go on the journey yourself, you've constantly got this friction in the household of like you're eating well and they're still eating crap food. It's like, why don't you sit down and say, do you know what? I don't think we're eating that great. Would you like to improve your eating? How about we start going out for a walk in the evening instead of watching the TV? You go on the journey together and then the journey's easy because it's a collaborative, supportive process rather than like, yes. I'm getting fit whether you like it or not. You can bugger off. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're constantly fighting it and then there's resentment in a relationship because the mm-hmm. other person hasn't come on the journey with you. Oh, I love it. I love the passion. You can just see it. 
And the thing about that as well, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts. Because is there a negotiation that you have to have with the inner dialogue as well? I, f- I always feel that when a goal is becoming toxic or, you know, you're feeling like you're breaking a rule, there's almost like honest conversation with yourself around, does this not fit in my life anymore? Or am I trying to avoid it because it's easier to avoid? So how do you make sure that when you are perhaps veering off plan with a rule, it's because of the environment or the situation you're in rather than you thinking, oh, I'll just give up. I think a big problem there, and this is where I had my sort of mini breakdown in lockdown. I got into about 10 weeks into the UK's lockdown and I had just like a moment where I woke up one day and I just couldn't think, I couldn't move, felt like I had chronic fatigue. I was just like, Ugh. Wow. and what I'd done with becoming a new dad is I'd sort of added these layers and rules to my life and the thing is like we said earlier there's only so many hours in the day and there's actually only so many things in our life at any given point that actually serve us actually bring value and reward to our life and what we tend to do especially in an information age that we live in today is we're just constantly adding layers of complexity to our life and then we kind of reach this breaking point and we're like I don't get it Because previously, all the layers that we've added have added positive things, but we're trying to juggle them all. So actually, there's things in my life that I've sort of said goodbye to, because I'm like, don't actually need to spend any time on that now. I've kind of, I've got it down or it's served me. So now, all I'm going to focus on is like wife and daughter, making sure my work's good, getting some fitness in and just trying to get out for a beer with my mates. Like, that's all that's important to me at, at the moment in life. But we hold on to all this other stuff. And I think that's Mm -hmm. often where the friction is because we're just trying to do too much. And most of the time when I get on some kind of coaching conversation with like a client or an individual, quite a lot of it is just an overly complex life. Yeah. I'm like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And it's like, (laughs) well, I've always done it. And I'm like, great. It's not serving you anymore. Say goodbye. Mm. And that's hard because sometimes it involves people, it involves community, but people will move on. Things change and you've got to change with how your life changes. Yeah, and let go of the stuff that doesn't serve you. I love that as a concept. And I always talk in the podcast about vulnerability. Now, we've obviously picked up on the fact that authenticity is incredibly important to you. And you talked about not being true to yourself in that time when the business was failing. What's your thoughts around vulnerability? That you have to be comfortable with it. Like just shooting from the hip. The thing is, nothing good long-term comes out of you not being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I'm vulnerable with my wife in terms of like how I'm feeling. Because if I'm not, she can't understand me. And that means we can't have a meaningful conversation because I'm not actually being fully true with her because I'm not being vulnerable I'm vulnerable with my staff like if I'm having and I struggled with that because I'm the leader like I'm always the guy that's got to be like yeah let's go and it's like some days I'm not like that some days I am tired I am whatever and actually I've been having a a lot of counseling or therapy however you want to coin the phrase recently and she's been saying to me you don't bring other people down when you are down down. you allow other people to pick you up but because I've always seen myself as the front runner the guy that people are following they're always looking up to Mm. I kind of shielded myself from ever being able to be helped myself 
And at that point, I wasn't actually being truly vulnerable, even with people that are kind of in theory, my staff and stuff, but Mm. they're people, they're there to help me. So I think you can never really help other people as well unless you're vulnerable. Because if Mm. people never really see the rawness, the truth, they always feel like guilty for their feelings. They're like, oh, I shouldn't feel like that. Like Ben or whoever doesn't. You never do. (laughs) So then it's like everyone's living an Instagram life. Like everything's perfect, but it's not. So I just think vulnerability is truth and there needs to be more truth in the world. So I'm willing to be vulnerable and it's amazing how many people respond positively. Like we talked earlier about my 2017 business problems. The end of 2017, I felt this block, like there was a fist around my heart. And I was like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what to get rid of it. And it's because I've been honest about everything in my life, vulnerable about everything when it came to everything in my life on my podcast, apart from my business. And I was like, I've got to tell everyone on the podcast because I've got quite a big podcast and a lot of people listen and a lot of people like reach out to me. And I just did like an hour and a half on my podcast where I just blurted it all out. And it felt like self-therapy. It was. Oh, I bet. But I got literally three days worth of Instagram messages. And I was just like, shit. Because everyone was like, oh, my God, thank you so much for just like Mm. being honest, saying that you're struggling. And like loads of people were like, we didn't even know anything was going on. Some people were like, oh, I detected a little shift. That's quite interesting, Ben. Thank you. I saw that you weren't quite your truth and yourself. And I felt cleansed again by being vulnerable on all levels. And I think a lot of people are really uncomfortable talking about money. I think that's a a sad thing because reality is money makes the world go round. Like we can't avoid it. We pay for Mm. everything in our life with money and we're really uncomfortable. And I was too. And I was like, why? And it freed a lot of people, including myself. It's lovely that, isn't it? When you share a story and then the people come along and do the me too thing, or I can relate to that, or I feel the same way. And you're helping people at the same time as helping yourself. And that's so valuable because it makes people feel like they're normal. Because this guy who I follow on Instagram is going through this sort of stuff too. So I love the fact that you're comfortable with sharing, but also that you learned that lesson in terms of because you hadn't been sharing how that felt internally. And it's good of you to open up about that. Now, We are at the point in the podcast where we play what I call the five second game rule. And when your daughter is a little bit older, she's going to love this game. It's my kid's favourite game this is. So I'm going to put you under pressure now and you're going to take it, I just know. Because I'm going to ask you a question and you've got five seconds to give me three answers. Are you ready? Three answers? Mm. I know. You'll be fabulous. I know it. So in the five second game rule, can you give me three things that you are grateful for? My wife, my daughter and where we live. Oh, and tell us where you live. Rural Suffolk, it's beautiful, middle of nowhere, no people, it's beautiful. Can't beat it when you live with no people around you, (laughs) I can relate to that as well. And then let's do another one. So in the five second game rule, can you give me three things that you do to relax? Walk and be silent, read and exercise. Yeah. What's your favourite exercise? 
uh, at the moment getting out my road bike when it's nice and sunny. Oh, you can't beat that, can you? And walk in with the pram. Sometimes, sometimes on my own with the dog, like just quiet, time to think. Nice. I don't think you can beat that feeling, though, of walking with a pram, that kind of pride that comes through you when you're there. And oh, it's just the best feeling. I'm so jealous that you're there. <laughs> and we are on to the killer question now. So this is the big one that everybody wants to know the answer to. And I'll tell you, Ben, everybody gives a different answer, which I love. So I can't wait to hear yours. From your point of view, what do you think is the absolute secret to success? Going all in on yourself. Going all in on yourself. Tell me more. And what I mean by that is the life that you want to live, the vision that you have for yourself, the dreams you have, the goals you have, go all in. Are you giving all of yourself to yourself? Are you living through fear, through other people's visions, other people's expectations, all that bollocks? If you are, you're not all in. And when people ask me what I regret in my life, I say, I don't regret anything because from an early age, I decided to go all in. So I look back on all of those things that, yeah, maybe could have been different, but I can't ask any more of myself because I went all in. I did what I could knowing what I knew at that time in my life. And I don't think you can have regrets when you're bringing your best self to yourself. Totally. And whatever the outcome is, then it doesn't matter, does it? Because you did your best. Oh. You know, we say hindsight's a wonderful thing, but it can also make you view all of your past things quite negatively sometimes. Mm. She's like, well, I should have done that. And now I know this and whatever. It's like, if you know that you did your best, then you can be kind to yourself and just say, I did do my best and in the future I will continue to do my best brilliant go all in I love it Ben tell us where we can find you just Ben Coomber all over the internet if you enjoy podcasts (laughs) if you enjoy the gram if you enjoy Facebook just type Ben Coomber in have a follow if you think I talk sense continue to follow if not unfollow and follow people that serve your journey People are going to love you. Why would they not? I think you are just a joy. You've got a kind of a 60-year-old head at one level on your 32-year-old shoulders. 34-year-old shoulders, but in the best way possible. You're just completely wise, completely grounded, and I just think you're a joy. So thank you for spending time with me. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. And do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.